0: Hey, welcome to the show, Joey here, Jungle Brothers Podcast, you know the deal. Today, Paulie is back in the house, fresh from Fiji, Uh, I'm back from the States, this is the first episode I've recorded in quite a few weeks, and we're joined by Chiron, one of the coaches here at the gym, he's our resident guru mobility, and he's also recently defeated cancer, as much as somebody can defeat cancer, Uh, he's got a great story to tell about that, and it's a real pleasure to chat with him and be able to share that today. Let's get into today's chat with Chiron. back with you guys. It's your first time, but Paulie, it's good to have you back. So good to be here, bro. Um, let's give, let's catch people up a little bit just on the, the goings on because mm-hmm. I've been a bit lax with posting in recent weeks due to two main things. One, I took a trip overseas, which was like 10 days off, but also I had a little bit of a, a think of how I would like to change the show. We go too far into it, but that's just been what I've been pondering in the recent month. Um, and you've been in Fiji? Yes.
1: How the fuck was that, bro? Fantastic. Yeah, it was awesome. Hadn't been in five years. Uh much needed holiday and really great catch up with family. Time away to think and just relax. Um, yeah, I had a great time and uh I won't wait another five years to go back. How many times have you been there with your kids? That was only the second time and Lucia's first time. Is it
0: um what's it like you know, having gone like previously all those years, as you know, this is where my family's from. Yeah, I'm here. I can just do what I want. Now you're there. You got three kids. It's a different experience.
1: Yeah, it's different, but it's you know, it's fucking awesome for them. I've been wanting to go back um, these last few years, really, f- to give them that experience and be the host for them in that way. Um, because it's just what you do, and they they grow up, and you want to you want to you want to expose them to the rest of the world. And, um, yeah, it was amazing. I realised how much Fiji actually means to me because I was born and raised here and I live here all the time and I'm in this headspace. But I didn't realise how much it's influenced me. I realised how much I knew when I was there because I was showing them all and actually reflecting on how much it's affected me as a person and everything that I think and do. And it was fucking cool. They loved it. That's mad. Yeah. Yeah, there must be some, some proud moments in there.
0: As a dad being able to show, like... Yeah Whatever, like teach things that you're like, oh, this
1: is my thing Yeah, 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 yeah Yeah, just just trying to get them connected to it And give them the good things that I got out of it And um, try to get them to build their own relationship with it So, yeah, boss K-Ron
0: Yo First time on the show it's Exciting Also, just had a trip overseas Yeah Canada?
2: Yeah, I went to Canada What was the deal? Um, I went for a holiday just to experience it do some mushrooms, do some hikes, find, catch up with some friends, go to a wedding, yeah.
0: Was the wedding like the the event that took you over there and then you formed the Uh, rest around it? It helped, it helped
2: a decision because I always wanted to go and it just happened to be inviting me to their wedding and I just thought I'd I'd do both. And for me it was a way to celebrate going into remission and just getting over that chapter of my life. Uh, The mushrooms different in Canada to the ones here? You just have more variety (laughs) (laughs) oh why is that climate because it's decriminalized Uh, okay so over there you can go to a dispensary and they've got seven or eight different types on the shelf and you can just pick which one ask like i kind of want a trip like this or i want visuals and they'll just give it to you (laughs) and they kind of guide you on how to take it how to put in a tea how much to take when to take it so it's just more organized
0: yeah right is there any limit on how much you can buy, or
2: no? Nah, so you can get acid in the store. You can get DMT, mushrooms, micro doses. That's fucking wild, is it not? You can get mescaline. You can get pretty much like Peyote. Every every impossible is just there, and it's your full variety. They have a little cafe where they do like psychedelic shakes and teas and coffees. <laughs> so be like, oh, long long black with some acid, and you're like, fuck, this is mad. <laughs> sick. Got
1: one of those loyalty cards there. Maybe yes. <laughs> <Have> an <his> email <laughs> list. I
2: like this free
0: trip. <laughs> um, it's such a uh, like that just spins me out. Mm. I I, ca- I was in LA and they got the weed dispensaries and yeah. I didn't go. I didn't bother going in because I'm like, what? You know, people were giving like friends of mine were giving me gummies and stuff. So I got to you know play with some stuff. But I'm like, I, I can't take anything home. So there's no point going in, really. Um, but I wasn't there for long enough. But it it that seemed wild to me that the weed is just so it's like free for all. Yeah. The fa- psychedelics, like, I don't want to sound conservative, but I feel like you just end up with a bunch of people who are just tripping balls 24 seven.
2: Yeah. It's I think in Canada as well, especially in Vancouver, there's a really big opioid issue. So the way the cops see it, if more people are doing psychedelics, which is proven to help with the actual um, addiction, it might help. So, in their eyes, it's not an issue. It's like everyone can go get fucking high. But when, if you go to Vancouver, it's like there's such a drug problem with the, the opioid drugs that they're like, fuck, just do the psychedelics, it might help.
1: Has it only been decriminalized in recent
2: times? Yeah, in like the last four years.
1: Okay. Oh, that's a decent amount of time to kind of start to see the effects of it. If you want to turn in
0: a little bit, yeah. Yeah, just grab that thing and make it yours, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah, that's cool. I um, it, it's funny, isn't it? Because like personally, like I'm a fan of psychedelics. I've only had mushrooms a few times, but I really enjoyed them. And it's something I'm like, yeah. Like I I I'm, I support the use of those things, yeah. you know, sparingly. Um. But the the idea that I could go into a place and just pick it off the shelf and it kind of scares me a little bit, you know.
2: It suppose it's one of those things like if you've never done it and you want to do it safely, would you rather go into a, a store and have someone guide you through it or just buy them off your mate and tell them, oh, just take five grams and then you freak the fuck out. So, And it's like they, they've, they've got like the, the studio set up where you can kind of do it with a, a guide as well. So I think it depends on how you want to go about it. Personally, I love psychedelics and I just kind of jumped into the deep end and figured it out from there some people not, might need guidance
0: <laughs> it, yeah you get a great point right like you want to take it on the street secretly yeah. buy it from someone you can't really verify or buy it from a store where the person is as well trained as anyone can be Yeah, absolutely I'm in support when I was driving to work on the first Monday that I came back I got pulled over it was the public holiday mm. I got pulled over by cops in Redfern for a breath test mm-hmm. um, Don't you know you don't get breath tests that often and the guy said, oh, we're doing a breath test and we're going to do a drug test today as well. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I haven't had a drug test before. And he pulled this thing out and he's like, oh, fuck. Thing. And I was like, drug test, what's that? He said, oh, we're using these new tests. He goes, I don't really like them that much. And I was like, what are you testing for? And he said, marijuana, ecstasy, cocaine. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> like, if you got me on the wrong morning, like, you know, I don't know, maybe a couple times a year. Who knows what might be in there? Um... Definitely, like on a weekend, I might a tainted it. supplement. I might have right, <laughs> just some creatine. <laughs> That's, That's all right. I have. Yeah, I don't know. the vats were tainted. <laughs> um, but I was like, okay, so um, I said, what? Like, so he scrapes my tongue and puts a thing in. He's like, now we just need to wait five minutes. Oh. and um, I said to him, what will happen if you find something? And uh, he said, oh, I'll have to give you a fine and do that thing. And I said, man, like having just come back from america where i was in la and vegas almost every single street i walked in vegas you just smell weed everywhere and then parts of la you just smell weed right so the like the the, the volume of consumption is really high i'm like and you know it, like every second person i know here in sydney smokes weed i'm like dude are you just fucking handing out fines left right and center and he shook his head he was like I can't wait till they legalise this shit here. It's just yeah. ridiculous. He's like, most of the people... You know, we're testing people on the street, like pedestrians. And he's like, yeah, it's pretty silly. Mm. Um, yeah, super fascinating. Got the all clear. Made it to work. <laughs> Live another day. But um, but yeah, it, it just seemed... It seemed wild having that... Uh, it, Polarity. Yeah, and that... It really made me feel like... That we're conservative about drugs here. I never really... Maybe if I went to a festival or something and you see all the cops there with the dogs, you're like, oh fuck we're militant on this shit But normally I don't really think about it But when you did the drug test as I was on my way to work, I'm like and this just seems a bit over the top to be honest
2: That is like when you do do a festival here, it is militant Like I don't know your experience of them, maybe I'm a bit younger So I've got more experience, but there's always like 200 cops, you walk through, there's like five dogs They're stopping people at random, I'm quite tattooed so I'm always randomly stopped and they even do, you even see them start to do like a little click to tell the dog to sit on certain people if you look like you have drugs on you. Cause statistically oh, the like dog, follow you around. Yeah, statistically the dogs don't actually pick up the scent after a certain amount of hours of being in the sun and outside. Like it's just kind of that guy looks like he's got drugs. Let's, let's fucking search him. And then there was the whole big issue with younger people getting cavity searched against their will because they didn't really know the laws behind it. So you had all these young people getting fucking finger banged for drugs And then They're actually
0: cavity searching kids Yeah
2: so it's like If you If you say Oh I've got drugs on me Like they'll try to Kind of coerce you into it But now they're legal. Now they're allowed To to go in there But if you just say I have nothing on me Then they're not allowed to They're not allowed to Do the whole squat and cough Right Whereas Ryan My friend downstairs Has had to do Like the squat and cough And fucking get naked And spread his fucking asshole. Like it's Whoa It's fucked <laughs> That's so aggressive
1: They're allowed to do that you're over 18
2: maybe maybe not allowed but they definitely have yeah and it's not all of them but it is a pretty shit experience and you have so much anxiety going into these events and that's why everyone's popping all of the drugs beforehand and just overdosing because you just see them you freak out and you're like fuck i have to dump it all dump it all now like i don't want to be caught because that's worse than overdosing Man, i
0: yeah we've had the same experience going into festivals you know
1: haven't been finger banged before. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> uh, fortunately. Just yeah. finger banger. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: But yeah, and it's,
0: it's wild, you, you, you might get through and then all of a sudden there's like this tunnel and like this narrowing of the event fences and that's where the cops will yeah. sit and they'll just be like, you know, and you're like, oh, I hope the dog doesn't sniff me out, whatever, but um, it's absurd. And I watch, um, have you guys, you guys ever watch Vice News on YouTube? Yeah, sometimes. They, they do, they got a few different channels but they do one that's, it's always the war on drugs. And I really like it because it's always just doing little sort of featurettes on on drugs and it's often like um, cartels in Mexico, uh, what's coming in, what's coming from China, what the Colombians are doing. Like it's always kind of sensationalist stuff. Um, but everything you're watching there and everything we're talking about is because drugs are illegal. Yeah. Like the whole reason that, that shit's going on and you've got these armed militias running around Mexico and... You know decapitating their enemies and whatever is because it's illegal and so it's this underground black market thing mm. um it's wild to think of how it might all change overnight if they're like all right whatever decriminalized legalized i don't know but something along those lines nods yeah. of support <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know how close we are to any of that here I, i'm not seems really paying attention camera to it, but
2: seems to be more progressive so camera like they did the the pill testing kind of little setups in the festival so you can go and test the quality of your pills because when someone overdoses it's not the pill it's essentially what they put in it so whatever isn't mdma mm. and camera seems to be i think they put into parliament like yeah to decriminalize weed as well so they're ahead the rest of Australia is fucked.
1: <laughs> i feel like it's a matter of time like it's a, it's a generational thing right now but it's heading in that direction all the people that we hang around with as you said like people use people are way more open-minded about the benefits for it and more accepting of it seems like it's going to be a matter of time
0: yeah i think so too that that cop said to me he said it's changing he said uh th- they're going to legalize um he said like one plant per household and you can yeah. harvest that and have the you know you can be carrying that so yeah that would would speak to the weed thing
1: i guess what they isn't it what they always say is like it's a matter of time they're just uh They've just got the laws in place so that the powers that be can get, can set up all of the companies and buy <laughs> the property so they can switch their business models and then they'll release it all and they'll be ahead of the market. Yeah, it makes sense. Dogs. Dogs. Um, what was I going to mention on that? Something popped
0: into my head about the drug piece. It doesn't matter. K-Ron, you're known as the guy for three things. <laughs> Psychedelics, <laughs> mobility... Testicular cancer. In no particular order. That's right. <laughs> you mentioned before uh remission that it was a celebratory thing to go to Canada. Tell us what that tell us, give us the backstory of the cancer thing for the listeners.
2: So do you want the backstory from like the complete beginning of the yeah. whole story? It's like So the raw version is around pretty much a year ago from today, I was having intercourse with a girl and it felt like I got hit in the nuts. Like severely hit in the nuts and i was like i brushed it off i sold john i got through got the job done went home and i was like Fuck, what was that so i kind of playing around in my nut and I felt like a little lump that hurt the touch and i was like Ah, oh, maybe I like hurt like bruised my nut as if it's possible freaked out a little bit went to the doctor he's like it's probably just a cyst don't worry so as a male i stopped worrying and just left it for around two months and then that little pea grew to the size of an avocado within like two weeks and it got painful to the point where I was kind of falling over in fetal position and kind of holding my stomach because the pain was just too intense so I went back to the doctor did an ultrasound and then they kind of said like it didn't look like anything sinister and I'm like it's a fucking avocado it looks pretty sinister to me this
0: is like a big swelling off the side. Yes, yeah, and balls. not even
2: just a swelling like it was hard Right. So it felt hard and it was fucking heavy as well. Yeah. So it just always felt like getting sack whacked 24 seven. Like someone was just like a little midget was there punching you in the nuts <laughs> all the time and you just didn't, you couldn't rest. And I, I think I just started coaching classes and like doing like hip swivels and I'm like, ah, my fucking balls were just hurting the whole time. Yeah. So then I went to the ultrasound, did that, went back to doctors like, yeah, you got cancer. You have to do surgery within like two weeks. So they just kind of dropped the bomb got put onto a surgeon by one of the members here. He kind of funneled me into the private health without me being private. Mm. So I got in really quick, had the surgery, was kind of back to normal within two weeks, back to training, back to coaching, life was pretty much back to normal. My testosterone levels didn't drop, my libido didn't drop. So any of the things that you kind of associate with having two nuts didn't really affect me. My fertility was still high, like nothing changed. And then fast forward three months from there my tumor markers, so you have a, AFP and HCG, they're your two tumor markers in your blood. So when you get them tested, they'll tell you if you've got a tumor or not. Mine started elevating because I was getting weekly or biweekly tests and they started elevating and they were, at first they didn't really know what was going on because on a scan they couldn't find any tumors, but these blood markers kept elevating week to week. So it was kind of this limbo period of you have a tumor, but we just don't know where. So you're going to need chemotherapy, but we don't want to give it to you until we know where the cancer is. Mm. So I was just kind of in limbo, waiting, waiting for the day of it to kind of tell me you need chemotherapy. That happened about a month after they kind t- of kind of told me that the the tumor popped up in my stomach lymph nodes, and it was around 20 millimeters in size, which then normally around six to eight. So it grew double, double its size, and then within getting told that they kind of booked in the first chemotherapy session which was nine weeks of three types of chemotherapy so you had bleomycin cisplatin and one starting with Eve, but i can't remember the name
0: confirm this for me just so i'm following you had the initial surgery where they removed one testicle and that was like and that took the avocado piece with it but now you've got this a regrowth of it like a new tumor
2: so I wouldn't say it was new. I think it already metastasized, which means spread. Yeah. So the the normal kind of spreading pattern is it goes from the testicles to the lymph nodes and then to the, your organs and then the brain. Right. So if I hadn't have stopped it at the lymph nodes, it probably would have spread somewhere a bit more sinister. Yeah. And that was only within three months of me finding the, the lump to mm-hmm. already spreading. So if I had left it for a year, I might not be having this conversation now. Wow. And that's, I think, the... The most important thing with this cancer is like, yeah, it's really curable if you catch it early. And most guys just feel really uncomfortable going to a doctor and getting their nuts checked, whether it's for something like this or an SCD. It's like you always no. have this urge, like, I don't want to get my nuts looked out. They don't manly. mind
0: getting fingered by the cops at the festival. Yeah, but it's but like... But they don't <laughs> want to get their nuts squeezed by the doctor.
2: Yeah, it's, it's this weird thing. But yeah, and then... Going back to that. So, yeah, it was the same one. It already spread, but then they don't want to give you chemotherapy unless there's definite evidence that it has spread. Because, let's face it, came as fucked. No one wants to do it. I wouldn't recommend it. One out of ten. But, yeah, and then started started the chemotherapy, which yeah, is for for a cycle. A cycle is three weeks, and then you do that three times. So, a cycle lasts nine weeks. The first cycle, which was the first week, from Monday to Friday, you're getting chemotherapy five hours a day. So you just go in, it's kind of like going to school. I get dropped off, I go in, I get my fucking chemotherapy in my arm. They've struggled finding vein half the time, so you're just getting poked like a piñata. And then you do the, do the chemotherapy and then you come out. And then the second or third week, you just go in for a 15-minute injection and then you kind of start again after three weeks. The five-hour session is like it's just an IV kind of thing? Yeah, so it's like intra intravenual. I don't know the word, it's just like into the vein, they find it and it's like five hours of just sitting there yeah. with this substance just going into you. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's that part of it.
0: And tell me of the, the you know, the, the common sort of horrible things about chemo. Uh, is it not so much like the feeling at that time, but it's the side effect. It's how you feel outside of the treatment. Does that happen immediately or does that come after some time?
2: So for myself, I'm this rare case where I didn't get any of the severe side effects. I do not really know why I was, I was waiting for them every day, but from the first week to kind of the last week, you don't feel initially sick and you just feel kind of like a bit weird because you've got this fluid going into you that's toxic. So I was waiting for it to get really shit every day, but I was still coming into the gym. I was still coaching. I was still here and I kind of had the the mentality like I'm just going to keep going until I can't. So my my schedule didn't change. I had a pretty normal structure and I didn't get the shitty side effects. But the main shitty side effects is like nausea, fatigue. Fatigue is the main one. So severe fatigue is 98% of people that do chemotherapy get severe fatigue. To the point where they can't function so they can't leave the house they can't move they can't eat and that's kind of the worst one and normally that can linger for up to two years Wow! so you not only have to do like the dynamics of chemo then you've got this fatigue that you can't get rid of for two like up to two years plus plus. and looking into that prior i was like that sounds fucking shit like i really don't want that my job is energy efficient like i'm here i'm training i have to do stuff like i don't want that one I also didn't want to be nauseous because that sucks. But I didn't get either of those. Wow. From there it gets a bit more external kind of side effects. So it is the ones that I got. So I got ulcers from the first week to the last week. I had an ulcer in my mouth that I just wouldn't heal. And it was really fucking annoying because you just can't can't do anything in your mouth. So it's just, it hurts all the time. Like food hurts, chewing hurts, like your gums bleed because it just ruins the, the lining of your throat and your mouth and all of those things. So that was the main, like one of the main ones I got, my skin got all fucked up and really sensitive. So like if you cut yourself, it doesn't heal, you get really dry and flaky like a lizard. And even now I'm still having skin issues five months on because it just ruins anything that regenerates. Right. So if, my, if your skin and your hair regenerates, it fucking kills it. Yep. And that's essentially that. And then it kind of goes into like, the main worst side effect for me was almost like a shell shock. So after my five days of chemotherapy, on three days afterwards, I couldn't really multitask. So I'd go into a supermarket and I'd get really overwhelmed and almost feel like I had a an anxiety attack because I just couldn't function properly. Like my brain just couldn't handle too many things at once. And that for me, that was the most overwhelming one because I was like, what the fuck is this? Like this isn't normal for me. And that's kind of the worst mental side effect or like the worst kind of mental physical and then from there it was more the emotional side of losing your hair losing your skin tone losing weight like I lost like eight or nine kilos and I looked like skeletal and I think the emotional side of things is probably worse than the physical for me because I didn't get the physical ones as much
0: yeah can you talk more on the uh, the emotional ones <clears throat> so it's
2: for around the first four weeks I still look the same so I still had my hair, I still looked the same Had a moustache And then out of nowhere I thought it would be quite gradually But your hair just starts falling out when you pull it So I just woke up one morning And I was like fuck, some of my moustache is missing And I went in the mirror And I was like looking at it and just started pulling it out I was like fuck this is weird And then I just pulled it all out Because I was like "My oh, is just going to fall out anyway Pulled it out and then I was like Oh I wonder if my hairs doing the same Pull out the hair, just pull it and it starts falling out And you're like oh fuck this shit and then that night I pulled it all out, shaved it off, had a cry because it was like, this sucks. And then that's when you start to look like a cancer patient. So now you, you not only are one, you to the outside world, you look like you have cancer. And I think emotionally, that's when it really sinks in. Like I'm I'm going through this, like this is, this is me right now. And that narrative now becomes a, a thing. It's like to the outside, you, you don't have to explain, I have cancer, it's like you, that guy has cancer. And after around, Four weeks from there my skin color kind of dropped and i was really white and pale my face kind of went in heaps and you could just see the bones in my cheeks and then my eyebrows started to go into last week and that's when it got like okay i look like shit. and like you kind of avoid looking in the mirror because you just really just it's not you and as much as i say like don't attach to things that you would identify with your personality like it, it does suck to lose anything that you would hold value to yourself It's like, ah, I've always had that mustache, now it's gone. Or I've always had thick mushroom um, eyebrows, now it's gone. And it just really sinks in heavy, like I'm, you just don't feel good.
0: Yeah, it's so understandable. I I think there's a, uh, there seems to be like something extra like doubly awful about when something visibly happens to you, like to your face i've had that in the past like i just had some psoriasis but i remember it was in my hair and my face at a period when i was quite stressed and i didn't care when it was on my body because i was just wearing a t-shirt and whatever but as soon as you go and you're like it's all i think it's kind of built into us too because all of a sudden everyone can see that you're unwell right like in inverted uh, quotation marks not necessarily unwell it's not like you're contagious or something but it almost kind of makes you feel like that yeah yeah. So I can't imagine like the degree to which you would have been experiencing it over that time.
2: Um, you were still in the gym all throughout that period, right? Yeah. So from the first week to the last week and beyond, like I was here pretty much every day. So my chemotherapy normally started around 10 AM. I would normally get to the gym around eight, do like an hour of training, an hour and a half, go to chemotherapy and as sometimes as I come back and coach. So I did that with the kind of like the plan that if I was to start feeling like shit, someone would be here to cover me, but it never really happened. And I think the doctors kind of put it down to the fact that I didn't stop and let it kind of overwhelm me, meant that it didn't really sink in. And because I was moving, that was the best way to get the chemotherapy out of your system. Because it goes for your lymphatic system, if I can sweat it out quicker, it's not gonna do as much damage.
0: So that's the idea, it does its thing and then you actually get, yeah it, it, and it you leaves? Kind of you
2: piss it out mostly so like if you don't drink enough water your bladder starts to burn right like it's, it's pretty shit but yeah i was in here coaching training still quite physically active throughout the whole time and now meeting the people that i've met that said that the studies to say that exercise helps with the side effects is really prominent but no one's exercised as much as i have so i have no studies on it hmm. so i didn't really get too sick or fucked up from it because I just didn't stop moving and I feel like it was very inspiring for the people around here because they would come in like oh, I've had a really fucking long day and I'm like I'm going for chemotherapy I have a fucking IV still in my arm and I'm here doing like weighted push-ups and like yeah I still had to because I left it in over the week so I had my fucking cannula in my vein trying to find ways to move around it and yeah it was just a weird experience I wouldn't recommend it but I learned a lot from it that
1: time um was yeah it was it was a very inspirational time because every day you'd come in and and work out and every day we were like waiting for the day that you didn't come in or when you were going to message and need class covers and this guy just like walk up into the gym and just because of the way that kind of you are and you you just look at you and you just kind of like shrug (laughs) like still feel okay (laughs) and then he's there trying to work out ways to like you know do whatever around what the cannula in his arm and adjusting things yeah it was it was quite incredible to just watch and it was because you know we know you well and i mean it was amazing how you carried yourself through and even how you speak about it now um he'd be like there was a a, a comic element of it it was like it, we'd laugh about it yeah. like yeah i'm still going it's like fuck okay <laughs> like i'll just keep on carrying on as i am until i don't feel that i can and um yeah it was fucking amazing
0: yeah, yeah it was very um for me, and I'm sure for a lot of people experiencing it from our perspective, it seemed quite light because you were positive. That's and what I mean. It wasn't like, oh man, Karan's gone through chemo. Like, because often, like often, I guess the association is when someone's having chemo, you're like, fuck, they're in a bad way. Like, you know, uh, and they just it didn't have that feeling with you. And I think yeah. that was really just because of, and obviously, you were dealing with shit that I'm sure would have been much darker than that. Internally, but um, you just didn't you didn't bring that with you. Yeah, you know And so, you know for better or for worse it was it was super inspirational
2: I feel like that mindset helped like I'm quite a positive person and I was just taking it really presently day by day And I was like, it's here. There's nothing I can do about it. It's happened I'm going through it. Why be negative and upset when I can just be positive and try to make my day-to-day better and even in the, in kind of like the cancer wards, the people that were positive and kind of like, yeah, I'm here, I'm happy, like I'm good to be here. They seem to have so much more energy and be able to function, kind of talk to the nurses and have banter. People that came in like, fuck, why am I here, this sucks. Like they were sick, they didn't react well with it. So I, I don't know how much your mindset has to do with it, but to me, it just helped me get through it without kind of being caught up with, oh, this sucks. Like it is what it is, just be happy. <laughs> so where's it at now so now I'm five months in remission Um, I got another blood test in like two weeks kind of check-in but no symptoms no side effects like my hair's back it's actually curly I don't have curly hair Yeah,
0: hair's lustrous and wavy
2: yeah so that's new it's also darker my eyebrows are lighter Mm -hmm. my mustache is lighter
1: I love the length of your hair I've already told you that yeah Yeah, I think it I think it works The Caesar look I want it to stay and and if you so squared the fronts, it'll be the perfect
0: Zuckerberg. Yeah, as as Don't in. square it. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's good. Like, I didn't really need to recover as much as, say, someone else would because I didn't lose my capacity to, to move and lose my capacity to kind of go forward. I had to put kind of the weight back on. I was like eight kilos. That's back. But yeah, hair's back. Skin's still all fucked up. Like, I'm really reactive to deodorants now and soaps. Never had that before. That's new for me like i'll put something on and i'm fucking itchy all day mm. so i think it's kind of damaged that layer of my skin but other than that like it should be good moving forward statistically one or like four in a hundred people will have a reoccurrence so four in a hundred yeah right so after the chemotherapy it's, it's mm. very very rare within the first two years that you'll get it again and if you do get it then it's another testicle which is also really rare so it is like To get it it's probably the better one to get because statistically it's it's right, but it's still kind of daunting because you know within that first two years is the highest chance of it coming back so it's like in the back of your mind you're like fuck like what if it comes back yeah and it's that's the scary thought. but other than that I'm healthy I'm good I'm training I'm coaching like still enjoying life like the experience of going through chemotherapy at such a young age or like facing mortality is now I really appreciate and value every day so much more because without having going through that experience, I would have just been kind of getting through and getting by and trying to get to the end. And now it's like tomorrow might not be given. So why not just enjoy today as much as I possibly can? How old are you now? 27. Mm.
0: Have you had much experience with cancer in friends, family, in your life?
2: First for me. So no one in my family, no friends, no acquaintances. So like, Me it was like I had no one to kind of lean on or or talk to about it. It was like, oh fuck, this is just happening to me. I'm that statistic. Yeah.
1: Uh, Have you ever thought about um, saving your sperm or something like that?
2: Like, so I I did. Did have to save my sperm prior to the the testicle surgery. Um, So now it's frozen in a bank somewhere in Seven Hills. Some little babies are over there. (laughs) Seven Hills is a good part of town. Yeah. So I've got my 26 year old sperm there and. I mean, after chemotherapy, you're not meant to impregnate someone within like a year or two because right. they can come out all deformed and fucked up. Oh, wow. So, it's, uh, yeah, and they get you to do your sperm before that as well, which I already had mine banked. Is that why you mentioned, Paulie,
1: you're aware of that, of
0: the sperm thing?
1: No, I just, well, uh, you lost the nut and <laughs> you're also having these kind of existential thoughts about life and mortality and stuff and it just occurred to me like, okay. Yeah. yeah, is there something there that you might want to save? But also, um, have you had a tat since then? Like, how's that gone? I think if you haven't ever met him before, i seen a picture. He's covered head to toe. Got a bit of ink.
2: I haven't got one since. I, I don't know how my skin will react because mm. right now it seems to be really sensitive and yeah. and tender. So like, I want one, but at the moment I'm just like I'm itchy everywhere. So I don't know what the fuck it is, but I'm just like from head to toe I'm just itchy, and it's having the follicles are just coming back and being like, what the fuck happened? Why'd you do this? <laughs> Fuck you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, not yet, but soon. Going to that
1: show soon, yeah? Yeah. What show?
2: I'd, uh, I think Dylan wants to go to the Tattoo Flash Day at Lighthouse. So Ryan Usher's studio. And it's just...
0: Down here in Banks Meadow? Yeah. Yeah.
2: So you just kind of walk in. They have a bunch of flash and it's like a conveyor belt tattoo day. A bunch of flash? What do you mean? So flash is like the piece of paper with pre-made kind of tattoos. Right. So you just walk in, pick one, they bang it on and you walk out.
1: So is a, is a, I didn't know this either, but they informed me because they're trying to convince me to go. Easy and counts. You just pick one that's there on the day. What's the appeal? Well, you get in with really good guys, which otherwise you'd have to wait six months plus. Ah, okay. And they yeah. just, you don't have to go through the whole process. You just walk in on the day and you get that one of five. That makes sense. Is there
0: a bit of a status thing there too, where it's like, Oh, i got I'm reckless at the flash day. At yeah, Nick. and like, like I, get,
2: no pre-planning, just fucking chuck it on. Bro. I think they're getting one drop in, and they'll have like bands sometimes, and they make like a day of it. But they're working from like ten a.m. to like ten p.m. just smashing out. Fuck, you don't tattoos. want to be getting that nine thirty p.m. slot. Lines are all fucking wobbly. Yeah. Like, oh. do you like the tattoo, bro? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, that's another yeah, beer. I love it. Yeah. Uh, my um my cousin who I used to live with in Bondi, Paul, Paul knows him, Ricky. Uh, be, he's a tattoo artist and he he taught himself and I remember he started giving them he's a mad hipster and he started giving them out of the the back room of our apartment in Bondi and there was a fucking line out the door for like Ricky's like just reckless shaky unpracticed tattoos because there was so much status with it because it was like, oh, see this shit tattoo I got. I'm not saying this about the Lighthouse guys, but see this shit tattoo. I got that from this guy in Bondi who's not even trained properly, and it was full ghetto. And it's like, oh, that's so sick. (laughs) So there were were people lining up, like, just throw something on me, Rick. And I I just remember watching it being like, wow, what a, you know, like this is like deep in the culture that it's got, you know, typically you would want to go to the best person to get the best work. But actually the cool thing, is To get the shittest
2: work, (laughs) so the stick and poke girls or the guys, they would just do like the whole little stick and poke tattoos and they look like fucking shit, but there's got the stigma because it's a stick and poke. And they'll just, there's even like paid ones now where you paid them like 300 bucks and they would do this little shitty fucking poke of like a stick man. You end up with something,
1: yeah, right? Yeah, and it's
2: just like people pay a lot more money for it because like, oh, it's art, it's artsy, it's got cred. Did you you go
1: through that stage and you cover it up?
2: I didn't do the stick and poke face. I jump straight in.
0: You got a few different genres though I see. Yeah. You got a bit of sacred geometry. You got a bit of spider I see here with a with a geisha face.
2: So that's neo trad is the the name.
0: Neo traditional. Yeah, okay, of that style. Yeah. But then you've got have you got what's like your youngest like worst idea type tattoo?
2: So I have got a cover off my chest. Now it's sacred geometry, but it's all black. But before that, I was like fourteen, and a rebellious child, and I got like a love heart with fucking wings, <laughs> and it looked like fucking trash. So like it was the worst tattoo, and it was on my chest as well. It was like covered the whole thing, and I was like, "This sucks, ass," <laughs> and it does not look nice at all. So now I just got it blasted over with all this black work. So that's probably the youngest one, and then I got into like the whole Japanese style. So I got this leg sleeve, which costs a lot of money. And it's nice, but it doesn't match the rest of the other styles. But is
0: that – I'm guessing that's something you embrace as you go through different chapters with your tattooing?
2: Yeah, it's like people always say, like, I regret this tattoo. I'm like, at that point in time of your life, you probably wanted it, so why regret it? It's almost like a a chapter that you can kind of look back on and be like, I enjoyed this in that chapter of my life. And for me, it's just a way to look back.
0: Yeah, I think, like, if you were – like if you were going, if you set out with the goal of I'm going to like tattoo like 90% of my body and you just went to one person and you were like tattoo the whole thing in the one style yeah. and make it look perfect, it would almost be too perfect. Yeah. Like in a way to have as many tattoos as you have, it has to be eclectic, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, over like years and different parts of your life. Like yeah. Unless you've just got 50k in fucking two weeks available to just sit down and cop it, which would suck. <laughs>
0: But then, but that would be so boring as well. Like they would oh, like, tell me a story about like, oh, I went to one person and they did it all. People would do it in Thailand all the time.
2: Like they would just go overseas cause it's cheaper and then bust out like four days of tattooing to do like two legs, two arms and a torso. <laughs> but then it looks so generic, like- And a now, Muay Thai camp. Yeah, and it's like how much guys, you know, are that same black and gray style, where it's just like a person praying and you're like, yeah. <laughs> or like a lion and you're like, fuck yeah, I've seen this before.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Or the family name?
2: Hey, stop!
1: Uh,
0: what what one? <laughs> I was getting it. Yeah, I do. Yeah, fuck it. So there's so much like so many funny little nuances to the tattoo thing. I do find it interesting to think. I, you know, you see like a lot of white guys get like like um, like harking back to like their their Irish English Kelsey heritage. Yeah, like. like you know a Flanagan or something, and you're like, "Bray from Campbelltown." <laughs> like, you know, never even been to Ireland. Fuck. Oh God. <laughs> Shout out to all the flanagans who to <laughs> Yeah, yeah, today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Clean. so Clean. here's a here's a question for you because uh sort of another facet of you, which is we, we touched on the coaching piece. Yeah. Um, Chiron Mobility, right? The the Mobes guru now here at JB's there was you know i think about when you first showed up to the gym and you did the coaches intensive with me and stuff and i think about who you are now and that you've come a really long way in that short space of time yeah what are we, we we're talking before was like a couple of years has it been
2: i'd say i'd been here in this community for three years i coaching for like a solid one now okay yeah no i don't even i think i started kind of january but i was in kind of just shadows for six months before then yeah right so officially coaching for like eight months shadows for like a year so there's been a change in
0: you obviously which is you know this happens we all evolve but i feel like there's been some pivotal kind of big things there i'm sure and tell me about this i'm sure the cancer was part of that but i feel like a lot of it also preceded the cancer can you talk on that
2: yeah so the, the cancer definitely was a catalyst to kind of take this by the balls and fucking keep going before then i was working in landscape i was working in solar and i was just miserable and i hated what i did and i came here did the intensive did things like that got a little taste and i'm like i, I really want to do this like this is what i want to do this is what i'm passionate about the cancer was the the kick in the ass to so just fucking do it and that was uh i'm i quit the other job i had no security here they didn't even offer me like a full-time position they said just be here and something might pop up so that's kind of what happened and then i found my way in here and stumbled my way through and then it all came together.
1: Part of that story though, that you're probably not telling is like, did you not break your back?
2: Yeah. Like the way I broke my back. Spinal. (laughs) Spinal.
1: Yeah. It's broken. So you're doing solo, you fall off a roof, you break your back and you come in, but like and tell me how it all fits in the timeline because I Sir,
2: so, yeah, I was around three years ago mm. broke broke my back, oh fell off fell off the roof and stole, I pretty much fell off the fell off two three roof and got t burned by the ladder, so I kind of got like, by the ladder, so I kind of got like banned in Batman when he like breaks him over the fucking over his knee. That's kind of what happened to me over the ladder. Sick. that happened, and then I was on compensation for a year, so I couldn't work. I couldn't lift before that I was just a gym bro couldn't do any of that without severe pain, couldn't tie my shoes, couldn't move around, like put on heaps of weight, like it was shit. Six months kind of into that recovery, Ryan actually told me that there's this gym in in Botany called Jungle Brothers and they do like movement so you can train without lifting weights. And I was like, fuck yeah. I rung up Tiora, he didn't call back like 10 times (laughs) and never got back to me. So I just kept calling, he finally booked me in We we do that intentionally for the lessons just to make sure they really want it. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, fuck you, just put me on did my like did my foundation with Siora and you and I just remember even looking back at that time, you were like, You're moving like a robot and it's not functional how you're picking up things because I was like squatting down, neutral, moving up. Like I just had no movement in my spine then. I was tight, unfit, and and it was shit. And then that's kind of my ticket into here i started doing classes kind of worked my way up from bodyweight strength to lifting again it's kind of got mobility back and or not back fucking just found mobility from the classes here and that was like my first step into this industry
0: so mobility prior to the back was never really something you fucked around with
1: and that's why i went to that story because also like um there was a big change or a spring of like Ideas in terms of like training was for you because I think before, and I didn't know you then, but like you said, you were a gym bro, yeah, so it was largely kind of composition or aesthetic training type yeah. of thing. Am I right? Um, and then coming here, you aesthetic, you, <laughs> you found like a whole other kind of thing to do, and, and like yeah. you said, you didn't know mobility, and obviously now you know how kind of rich and satisfying those type of training journeys can be,
2: yeah. And for me, it was. Started the bodyweight stuff here and then a little bit of stretching. Like, it wasn't the main thing here, but there was enough to get started. And then through that, I was like, hey, this is actually making my back feel better. And I'm not as tight and I don't feel as shit. So I kind of took that and then went out on my own little quest and started learning bits and pieces. I kind of worked with Range of Strength, I worked with Emmett Lewis, worked with kind of Kit Lachlan. And worked with some other people as well, and just came back with all of this all of this information applied to myself, and I was like, "Fuck! All my injuries are gone, and I am starting to feel good." Or what if I could kind of compile all this information into a way where I could help someone else do what I did? And that's kind of how the ball got rolling. And I didn't mean to niche myself from mobility; it just kind of happened.
1: I remember in those early times, and I I didn't really recognize it at the time, but you were here and you were training. Julian was here. And you guys were doing all those programs from those people that you speak of, like out on the deck yeah. or in between class times or before class type of thing. Yeah. That was the search and gather information phase. Yeah, and
2: I was like a little baby phase and just learning how to put it all together. And now it's come to a way where I'm helping a bunch of different people with different flexibility levels just achieve things that they didn't think possible. Mm.
0: Tell me about the... Kind of what I touched on, but I want to drill in deeper to that, that sort of shift internally where you're like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to take charge of this thing here. I'm going to like, I'm going to make myself into this business and I'm going to, you know, because I think like what I noticed from the outside was a huge shift in like your confidence uh, in how you carry yourself. Um, Even just like talking today, right? Like I remember when I first met you, 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 you were just not as, you just didn't seem as comfortable to talk. You seemed like, you know, like you kind of said, like I was hiding in the shadows a little bit. Like I felt like that was a little bit characteristic of you. What happened internally where you, like was it something where you're like, like a conscious thing or looking back, is it just kind of how it's ended up?
2: I think it's conscious because I'm quite introverted by nature and for this industry and my own growth and my own business growth and development, I kind of had to start getting out of my comfort zone. So that meant just talking to random people and just doing things that normally made me feel uncomfortable. And by just doing that kind of every day, like strength training, I think it's gotten better and better to the point where now I can compensate with you without being this quiet, timid, kind of closed off person. I think it's just made me more open and like a skill is getting better and better. And that confidence is coming along with it because now I don't feel as out of place.
0: That's very cool. I think back to uh, the public speaking module, in the, in the in the coach's intensive, <laughs> what did you speak about? I can't remember. I think I spoke
2: about mushrooms. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I um, remember
2: you were shitting yourself. Yeah, I think I spoke about um, like medicinal mushrooms, so mushrooms that aren't illegal. And I remember I was just like reading this fucking paper. I was looking at the floor. I was like fidgety, and my hands were down here. It was shit. It was like the worst part. I was like fucked intensive, just bullshit. I don't know fucking presentations. But looking back, it's like now I reckon I could do it without an issue. Just wow. because that's I, I feel back then I, I didn't feel confident in, in my message and what I was doing. I was still kind of learning. Whereas now I feel like I have more to offer and it's like I, I have the experience behind me now to confidently offer something or or this information and it just helps. That's cool. Yeah,
1: you worked really hard at it. Like when I think back at it now. Um yeah, all the shadowing, like you chatted tons of classes. As well as um shadowing foundation programs. As well as just going in and starting to get in front of people like however yeah. you can in terms of like one on one group, like take whoever and whenever. Yeah. Um yeah, but it's it's shit, eh? Like I i still hate public speaking, but it's I remember back I was horrible at it. Um and I'm not great now, but I was I'm like a pro compared to where I was. But it it's not until fucking you just have to do the reps, hey. Eh? Yeah. And, and refine your own thoughts and messages and stuff like
2: that. And then, even now, I'm the entire planning a kind of hands, sensor and mobility workshop for lifters. And even the thought of presenting in front of like a group of like 10 people, I'm like, fuck, that's scary. Scary as. Even though I can confidently say I know what I'm talking about, I'm like, it's still a daunting thought. And you're like, fuck, that sucks. Like, hopefully it doesn't sell out. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully no one comes. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah. And then you're like, oh, it's that relief yeah i mean
0: i think it's um it's such an interesting skill set the public speaking leadership sort of group confidence thing um what's i think what's in what's important and also maybe a little bit disappointing is that it's often very specific like you get really confident teaching classes like oh man i'm good I'm, i'm i'm fine to stand up in front of people and run the class but then uh and i've had this many times but then it's like Hey, I want you to make a speech at the Christmas party, and it's like fuck, I'm shitting myself. It's it's kind of the same thing. It's the same people that you talk to in the gym every day, right? It's just a slightly different context. But, it, but then you realize, wow, like my adaptation to to that thing is so contextual. Yeah. Of course, once you kind of break through that, then you realize, oh, I'm actually fine, and I have techniques, and you know, it, it's not completely contextual. But yeah, it's um, like for you this is the first workshop you will have run? Yeah. Yeah, so of course, man, you're gonna be, you probably before you'd be like shitting yourself beyond, you know, Yeah. yeah. and then you'll get five minutes in, you're like, this is sick, okay. 100 people turn up, <laughs> baller. <laughs> tell me, um, tell us about the, uh, tell us about that workshop, but tell us also what you're doing with your work. Like we've mentioned, it's the mobility thing. Give us that kind of synopsis.
2: So that workshop, I think it's going to be November 26th on Saturday. And it's a handstand mobility workshop catered towards lifters in kind of cross or Olympic lifting realm. So we'll kind of be going over ankle, hip, spine, all of the areas where they seem to be super tight and stiff. And then just looking at ways to increase their performance or their efficiency in what they do. So we're kind of, we're still brainstorming it, but that's kind of the, the idea. And then what I do personally is like, yeah, I work for people that 40 years old, can't touch their toes. When I just open up, hips feel like shit to at the moment, lifters and kind of Olympic lifters, crossfitters who want to increase their performance. They're kind of my two main areas that I'm kind of working in as well as the classes and the partner stretching and all of that as well. Sick, uh, yeah, I
0: commented on the partner stretching yesterday. I'm very happy to see the Boston mud crab has come back into fashion. I was going to
2: ask what the <laughs> fuck is the Boston mud crab?
0: It's <laughs> an old wrestling move, like from WWE wrestling. Um, when I started Jiu Jitsu, I had a buddy that was always like, have you learned the Boston mud crab yet? <laughs> And I never knew what it was, but it's the one where you're like, where the person's <laughs> face down and you're like sitting on their butt with facing their feet and you're holding their feet <laughs> and like leaning back and they're like, ah, oh, like tapping the floor.
2: It actually question. feels really nice when you do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, just getting really into those like external rotators. You're like, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Man, can you, uh, let's wrap it there. Can you give a plug to where people can find your stuff, where the channels are, where they can go, where can, um, Buy tickets for the workshop if you have
2: that yet. So ticket links will be on mine or Ty's Instagram, which my Instagram is Kyron underscore mobility. It's also the same for TikTok and YouTube. Oh, TikTok. Yeah. Hello, how's that going? I'm just like reposting what I put on Instagram and just leaving it there. Drip feed. And it's just like maybe one day it will fucking boom and then I don't have to work anymore. I love that. I can just sit on a beach with tequila. All of us. Take us with you. Yes, definitely.
0: (laughs) Man, beautiful. I'll put a link to those in the show notes. Um, man, thanks for coming on today. It's pleasure to pleasure to catch up. Nice to hear the kind of you know the story behind what you went through with the the cancer. Um,
1: well done on everywhere. That, like you, your story, like where you've come from, how you came in, and you yeah. know, just fucking, it's been sick to watch. And when you sit back here now, I'm just sitting here like thinking about it. It's like fuck. This is a it's a really man. good A to B Fucking story man
2: I appreciate it And if there's like One takeaway message Is just check your nuts Check those nuts <laughs> Check the uh,
1: nuts Check these nuts Is sp- that the message?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tell me Give me a Takeaway message For like Young coach Someone
2: who's maybe Where you were A few years ago Oh Duty intensive do the, do Duty the JB intensive You learn a lot And it also just Puts you out of your Comfort zone a bit And if you're A new coach In this industry It's a good way To bypass the working for a shitty um, normal gym where you're just getting fed clients that mean nothing like i learned a big bunch of skills from marketing to coaches development all through just being here and just be here more like find a gym that you can just be at and be around and shadow and just learn off people because learning from yourself three and four you learn fucking nothing so just be around coaches doing what you want to do that's cool man solid message thanks homie appreciate it
0: paulie thanks bro thanks boys fam thanks for listening hope you enjoyed today's episode um please give us a like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to check out car stuff if you are interested in the the handstander mobility workshop definitely go over to his instagram account get yourself a ticket Uh, and if you do want to know more about the coaches intensive you can find that at junglealliance.com click on the courses tab and we have information there Our last intensive for the year is coming up on the 29th and 30th of of October. So by the time you're hearing this, it's only like a a week or two out. If you are interested in that, you can book it through the website. And if you want to talk to me directly, just contact me through the webpage and we can chat about if it's right for you. Thank you. See you next week. Peace. Peace.